Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released Fridays, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook and Instagram at Retro Rebel Podcast for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. I always appreciate your lip syncing to uh, my intro. I try. I appreciate that, yeah. <laughs> it's more I'm waiting for my cue. I'm trying to, like, balance the choose with when I know I'm supposed to tell. Oh, I like it. It's a, it's a rhythm thing. I get it. It's a, it's a TikTok thing. Yeah. What is this tick? What is this snapper chat? This TikTok? I never could get into Snapchat. I I think yeah. it just that's one that's just passed me. That's not well, that's passed me by. I think now that Facebook and Instagram both have stories and all the other stuff, they almost made Snap. I'm sure Snapchat's still a thing. I just don't. I have a, an account. I just don't ever log in. I just don't know what it's for. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> we just lost half of our listeners they just like, i know oh i'm I sorry no but sharing. like why but like why yeah. i hate taking pictures i hate taking pictures right. i used to love it but now i realize since everyone is taking photos no one gives a crap about your photos so yeah. if you can remember it with your brain that's good enough it really is right. unless you are like a photographer no one gives a shit about your photos no. and and i'm a big i'm a big proponent of taking pictures for me like, I like the pictures for me or to share with my immediate because really that is the people that, that do give a shit about your pictures. I don't even be- do that, man. I went to Paris and I took four po- photos. But, like, do I remember it? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, that, that and I think that's a good point. Not necessarily – I'm talking about if I want to take a picture of especially candid pictures. Like, I'm taking pictures of my family or friends doing something, not necessarily posing for something, if that makes sense. That's so much more interesting to me, and it's so much more. You get a much more genuine picture. Smiles are real. Uh, it's I don't know. Here we are fixing the world again. Look at I us. I know we're basically legends. No, I, I think candid I photos are like everything. I think that should be all that photos are. But also, if you look ugly in a candid photo, your friend should be nice and just delete it and not show you. Because like <laughs> Those sometimes, are even better. It's like no, come like on, good face, no, because you know? sometimes your fat rolls just be out. Yeah, and no one yeah, like. And you tuck and your no chin one. on that really deep yeah. laugh that you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, or you had Can like you... way too much champagne alone on a Friday, yeah. and no one should Only screenshot one. that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, don't get the bottles in the picture as well. Just the glass, you know. Oh yeah. You gotta know the etiquette. So, well, what have you been playing? Not Warzone. Well, I have played a bit of Warzone. To be fair, I can't lie, but. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking okay. about today. What are you talking about? Well, I can tell you haven't read the notes. I have been playing Halo 5. Read something? Read it? Read? Halo 5? Yeah. Yeah, I never played now, it. Now, I'm not up on the Halo. Um, what number are we on? Uh, I think Halo 6 is coming out with the new consoles. Okay, so this is not a new game. I was pretty sure that was the case. Yeah, it's not super old either. It's just, like, 
Halo 4, I turned off when I realized they didn't have co-op. And I was like, no. Like, split-screen co-op. I was like, no, not today, Satan. So I don't think I ever finished playing Halo 4, if I'm not mistaken. I may have done it since then, actually, because I own the Master Chief Collection, and that might have been on it. But don't quote me. But Halo 5, I know I've never even booted up and played. And so it's on Game Pass for a limited time. I think it's leaving soon. I think I got a notification. That's sort of what spurred me to play it. Um, And I'm not going to lie, first 20 minutes or so, I was like, this game blows. Because you're just playing as, like, random people. Like, just random. 20 minutes is longer than you give most games that blow. I know, but it was pretty. That's the downside. It was pretty, and I'm good at it. Like, you know, when you have this much muscle memory for a game, you can't possibly be crap at it. And I was good. I didn't die or anything. Like, just I'm killing the game. Anyway, so I, I kept playing it. I was like, who are these guys? Like, why am I playing as them? Like, this sucks. Like, where is... And then the Master Chief came out, and I was like, fucking thank you. Like, I didn't sign up for a Halo title without Master Chief. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I didn't... This Hey, I already played Halo Reach. Exactly. Halo Reach was fine, but, like, I don't want to do it again. Right. No, I, I think Halo Reach was the last one that I played and finished. I don't think I've played any either of the other two, so. And I liked Halo Reach. Um, I had played every one up to that point, so, and finished them. I haven't played past the point where they show that Master Chief is going to be in the game. Right. So I don't even know if he's a playable character, but he was there. And I was like, ah, cool, all right, well, I can pick this up another time. At least Master Chief is in here, so I know that I give a crap and I don't have to uninstall this. That's fair. <laughs> um, so it's on my list so of Is that the only game that you've played? I played some Warzone as well, but I've talked about it enough, and nothing really has changed. So we'll just no. focus on Halo 5 for now. Fair. Okay, well, for the second week in a row, I have been playing The Last of Us. And I am willing to bet I will be playing it at least one more week. So we will talk about it. At the very least, we're going to talk about it when I finish it. I found something out about this game that is telling, I think, about my love for games in general and what games I'm willing to complete and finish. Not just finish, but also complete. And I think it has a lot to do with the way Naughty Dog makes games. But there's, there is a formula to Nathan Drake and Uncharted games as well as these uh these the last of us series and and that that formula is you have this burst of activity and then you have this downtime where a lot of exposition takes place and then you have another burst of activity and downtime what they do really well in all of those games is sometimes surprise you with when that activity happens so you can't you have to kind of always be on your guard you never feel like at least i don't i never feel like i'm I'm 100% safe where I am, you know, that at any time, even when I'm like in there, because I've been trying to craft something before and been, you know, attacked by a dog. So it's like while you're in the middle of doing something, the game doesn't stop. They do a good job of making it feel like you're always in danger. That said, though, there's enough of a reprieve during those downtimes that I think it's just a good change of pace. And it allows you to, for this second, at least I'm standing in this room right now. I can breathe for a second. You know, I don't have to worry about bosses or or enemies circling or or on their their roots. 
their their paths of or search routes or whatever. I don't have to worry about figuring out what any of that is. I can just relax for a second. So they do that in Naughty Dog games fairly well. And there's enough of a difference between Uncharted and the tone and The Last of Us for sure and the tone that even though those mechanics are very similar, I definitely find myself really enjoying searching, going into the in, in The Last of Us. You you uh, have a lot of collectibles. Or there are collectibles, but there's also a lot of, of crafting materials to find. And so uh, I'm playing it on, I think, whatever is considered the normal difficulty. Not like the easy difficulty, but the middle, mid-range. I think there's six different difficulties. This is one where you have limited ammo and, and uh, you know, I believe the way, that the standard default way to play it. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I've run out of shotgun shells pretty much after every altercation inside a building uh, for sure you know and so because you I think I only have like seven or eight at a time yeah but the coke can silencer is life it is but the and and that's the problem I haven't used it enough because normally when I think to to use it it's there's a clicker or something and clickers do not go down even if it doesn't work it's hilarious well I had to upgrade it so now I've got five shots with it I think instead of three because before you'd shoot three times and I'd miss two and then I've already now I'm I'm notifying everybody well apparently if you pre-ordered the deluxe something or other you got an extra bit of bullets and I read that and I was like what <laughs> I didn't pre-order it so you should have. You knew you were going to buy it. Why didn't you pre-order it? That seems like a weird Stacy move. I well, I think at the time I didn't have the money, and I and I bought this digital. So, because right now you can't go into a Best Buy and buy a, a game. So I had to, you know, really, for the most part. So anyway, I've been playing The Last of Us. Very, very, very minor spoilers for about the next sixty seconds, but they're minor spoilers. I am I am at the you know. So if you don't want to know anything about anything you know skip ahead uh two minutes but i am in uh the city uh i'm in seattle me and dina are we just left the the theater i found out that i found out uh dina's secret that she was hiding uh and then i left her there and now i'm traveling on foot to find tommy in seattle uh, in day two. So I've been playing for about eight, eight hours plus, as I was telling you off, off air, this is definitely one of the most viscerally violent games I've ever played. None, nothing has bothered me per se, not to say that it's not gruesome and I'm not like, Hey, that's, that's terrible. And I hope I would never have to be this way with a person, but I can tell you it is definitely, I will have opinions when I finish this game. I'm definitely interested in and talking about it later. I know you've seen all the cutscenes, uh, so you basically know what happens and know how the game ends. I have done everything in my power to avoid any spoilers, so I have not read. Anytime I even see an article, I have to check myself from even reading the title because sometimes people put spoilers in the title of the article. So, and they don't mean to sometimes, but it's just it may have spoiled it if you if you really hadn't gotten to that point in the game. So. Well, I watched uh, Angry Joe Reviews, and bless him, I mean, the review was great, and I agree with a lot of his opinions. However, within the first couple of seconds of it, he says, you know, spoilers for, like, a week-old game, which I think at this point is fine to spoil. I was like, a week! A week! Right. Yeah. On the internet, that's a lifetime. 
Like, a lot of people won't have finished in, well, surely in a week. Not me. Like, people have jobs and lives, and come on. Yeah, and, and whoever's just watching his show must not have either. I don't know, or works from home. But uh, And I follow him, too. I was interested in seeing what he had to say, because he's usually, even if he's not expletive-filled, which he is, uh, he's definitely uh, – he's he's got interesting takes, and I usually agree with a lot of what he has to say. His so. opinion is the exact opinion that I relayed via voice notes and WhatsApp Messenger. I, I'm definitely trying to stay open-minded about it. But uh, anyway, just – in my, ex- we're done spoiling it for the most part. Uh, at least we're done spoiling. But what I was going to say is my play style in this game would be infuriating. I said this before when I talked about it the first time. I it'd be infuriating for anybody watching probably, but I am so thorough in the way I go and look for supplies while I'm in there. I find everything. I've had my most of my guns are are completely maxed out, and I just got to day two. You know, my guns are maxed out. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, especially my two pistols, my and I got a scope on my rifle, and my shotgun has been expanded to six shots now. So, the things that I don't need, like stability. I mean, you don't need stability with a shotgun. I'm going to shoot you once, and that's it. And hopefully, if I hit you with that one shot, that's it. I always have. I've got all the explosives that I can have so far maxed out even after i've used them i've been able to you know refill so and i've got three med kits so i've never wanted for any of that stuff and it has a lot to do with the fact that i'm so thorough in checking every building checking everything but that's part of it to me part of the experience in these games that's fun to me it's all tens and if you go into a building there's a chance you're going to you'll find clickers or runners or uh, I've, they have a new enemy now. They had bloaters in the first game, and now they have shamblers, I think. Yeah, that's so my partner was playing the game, and I was watching him play briefly. And there was, like, one part where he was, like, in a room, and three shamblers came from, like, three different doors, like, at the same time. And he ended up having, like have like a bunch of traps and stuff in order to actually like pass it level and they weren't alone there was like runners as well oh yeah i think i know exactly where that is yeah when you yeah you get down and, and it's i think it's when you first find the shamblers yeah it's not soon after it's like maybe the second encounter with them right right yes absolutely and and uh yeah that that room i end up having to kill everything just standing on a an air conditioning unit or something I think that's what he ended up doing as well. Like, I don't think he left the landing platform that, like, you landed on in the end. He had tried to, like, move before, but it didn't work. No. I, I Yeah, I got killed because I couldn't see where things were coming from out of your peripheral, so. Oh, yeah, he did loads of times. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it took me it took me a time or two, and then I just got lucky as I just kept throwing Molotov cocktails at things, and the dumb runners will run in there and burn up, and that's okay with me because the truth of the matter is – the human enemies are much more dangerous. You know, the the uninfected, the ones that are they're smarter. You know, they they're not as regimented in their routes, and uh, and so they're just a lot more dangerous. And now they've got dogs, which means I can't play the game exactly like I want to, where I can just sit behind something. <laughs> now the dogs can smell you, and they and they will track you, and so you have to be constantly on the move. Or you have to just play smarter. And it's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the game. You just 
What's that like a '90s song? Like we're in the dogs are smelling. Oh yeah, something like that. A, um, Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> when the dogs smell her. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's you. It is That's me. You. Only it's not nearly as enjoyable. It's extremely frustrating. But the violence, like I said, is is definitely turned up in this particular game in, in terms of realism and and uh, brutality. I think it's 100% appropriate so far uh, for the game and the context of everything. It's a dreary game, just like I said last time. I'm about, I don't even know if I'm halfway through or a third of the way through. I, I don't think you're very far through, man. <laughs> you're probably right. Well, to me, I guess that's good. I've and, and I know I could have gone a lot faster. I probably could have gotten where I am. I think at your pace, you're a third of the way through. I think you've got another 20 hours. Yeah, I think you're right. And and I'm okay with that. And, and like I said, I'm I'm playing it the way that I played the last game, the very, the first iteration. And so... The way you played The Last of the Last of Us? Yeah, The Last of the Last of Us. I know. I just had to stop myself from saying that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It has absolutely peaked, and, and it checks all the boxes for me in terms of games and what I like, other than the horror element. But I find myself constantly having to push myself into, all right, because I want to stop. I'm like, okay, I'm at a place where I can stop. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, calm right now. I don't have to worry, and I'll just go play something else or watch something else. And then I'm like, no, stop being a wuss. Go in this building and just push through. And then I'll play for like another hour and a half. And I'm I'm glad I do that. I'm glad I because I because it is I do enjoy it and I do realize because they don't do a lot of uh, jump scares and I'm thankful for that. They don't do a lot of jump scares in this game, and because I think that's cheap. I think it's scary enough knowing that if you accidentally kick a can or <laughs> knock over a box, everything's coming to you anyway. So you still have to be careful. But it's not like unrealistic or purposefully trying to. It's tense enough. The atmosphere, so they don't have to do things like that. So, anyway, enough about that game. What about the news? What news do you have for us? The news. I got loads of news. I got new news. I have uh, I have news, and maybe this news is news that you have that's new news, but I will let you go with your news first. Excellent. So, uh, I'll start with one that I know you have seen before, and that's that Amazon has pulled Crucible off the market. Really? Yeah, basically after all the critics and a bunch of players said that it was garbage, <laughs> they have put it back into closed beta. And to be fair, they have sort of a healthy attitude about it. They're like, we don't want to make games that you don't want to play. So, like, obviously we need to work on that. Right. Which I think is great. And they've got a new game planned as well. That makes it maybe not such a good sign. So they've already started developing another game and this game isn't done. So now they're going to have to pull resources off of their, I don't know, Tower Defense League of Legends sort of style game they were working on and put it back into Crucible development because this game sort of was dead on arrival oh, man. Um, or just been it all together. But it's been put back into closed beta. That's the latest update. Well, they can work on it a little bit. They're going to try. They're going to try. Well, I have a piece of news here that I think you definitely would have overlooked, probably purposefully. Disco Elysium. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Disco Elysium is reported to have a uh, a television show in the works. What? 
Get out of town. I know. I can tell. I mean, so does The Last of Us, too. So, like, what do you want? <laughs> if you could have put her face into sounds, that would have been... I wish you all could have seen that. Um, uh, let's just say it wasn't Joy. My, I, the, the downside is I have a really expressive face. We need to, like, get into the Zencaster beta where we can just put our faces on. We do. And then yeah, people do. will be able to benefit from these myriad of expressions <laughs> and me shoving my face full of crackers with cheese pate. and pate. Very nice. Yes, absolutely. Well, DJ2, the entertainment company behind uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, which I heard was actually not terrible. I, never I saw heard it. that as well. I didn't see it, but if it comes on Netflix, I'll watch it. Absolutely, I will too. Uh, I've heard it wasn't bad, and I heard like the Pokemon movie, there were a lot of really interesting, fun Easter eggs for anybody that's a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. But uh, so anyway, that company, which apparently handled that property, which is almost impossible to make a movie out of, apparently handled it well, is looking to make a move or a, a TV series out of Disco Elysium. Now, I know that I played it a lot, and we talked about it ad nauseum until you were nauseous yourself, but it is a really good game. It is a, it's a really heady game, but it's a good adventure, point-and-click adventure game. I think it's got enough interesting topics to be worthwhile. And, you know, I think, it's, I think it could – this has legs. We'll see if, it, if they make it in anything interesting. But that is, a, that is the first bit of – video game news that I have. I only have one other thing, um, and it's not what you were reporting on, but it may be your new your new news. Okay, I've I've got more things. I've got I've got two things. So, I'll I'll go next. So, there's a sad one. I'll put the sad one in before I put the the happy one. So, the the sad one is is that a very famous WoW streamer named Reckful has sadly passed away at the age of 31. It was confirmed uh, I don't know, maybe 20 hours ago. So at the time of this recording, it's very, very fresh news. No one knows still the cause of death is not confirmed. But Reckful is pretty famous in WoW circles. He's a Twitch streamer. He was a champion, I think, several times over. He's an esports player. And 31 is, is young. It's younger than both of us. It's really, really young. And the downside is he had sort of become a game developer and he was developing his own game called Everland, which obviously, you know, who knows what's going to happen to that IP as well. Hopefully someone picks up the banner and, and finishes what he was working on. But it's always sad to see the gaming community like lose one of their icons, especially like a pretty, a fairly famous streamer from World of Warcraft. Right. No, I saw that. And I also saw some in-game uh, memorials that players were doing so uh they were gathering in in uh common areas uh horde and i think well i don't i can't remember if it's horde or alliance or if it was both but i know that people were gathering in memory for wreckful so yeah sad news for sure but i i've i've seen this multiple times and i think we've even discussed it on the show you know these memorials that have happened in game and sometimes when people disrupt those memorials and and kind of what kind of person would do that, the the fallout from that. But, yeah, you know, they these uh, the groups, gaming circles usually come together to do something kind of cool for stuff like that. And and, uh, and it sounds like uh, the World of Warcraft community is doing that for Wreckful. My second bit of news and my last bit of news was uh, in the same, a similar vein, but definitely not about Disco Elysium, so do not panic. 
Uh, it's actually about Fallout. Fallout has a TV show in development now. Uh, I'm not mad about that. The soundtrack is going to be lit AF, and I will buy it. Lit and creepy. It's going to be. It's. It'll be akin to uh, the Bio Bioshock, and I think that Bioshock, Fallout. There's a whole lot of. Inf- there's a whole lot to do with with those two properties. I think so much more can be done with Fallout. Got you know mixed mixed uh, generational genre. You know uh, post apocalyptic. How many different? I mean, you you could draw strictly from the game material and have enough for multiple seasons. Just going into different vaults and and having to deal with whatever experiment was being run in those different vaults. So, I hope like the first season is just pre-apocalyptic stuff. Like I want to see them like building it. I want to like see the like the wheels of the machine. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe we we should do an episode, or maybe that's one we'll do soon in the future. Just hypothetical, how you could make you know this a TV show because we've talked about Fallout being a movie. And kind of how that would work. But, I mean, if you were going to str- be able to string it along as a series, you know, a prequel-type series, maybe having flashbacks explaining just the, the thought process. A lot of times, you know, you find out the thought process for a given vault while you're in the vault. You know, you figure out, oh, wow, you know, through reading or, or other material, you'll figure out that what the scientists were thinking when they put it together. So the the creators of Westworld are putting this together so you know that they're not afraid to uh, do something potentially intelligent, maybe even controversial, maybe, uh, you know, well done. So Westworld, if it's nothing else, it's been done well, uh, especially the first two seasons. I think they're on their third season now. I haven't. Yeah, I sort of lost track of it. Yeah, you know. I did too. I did too after this uh, after the second season. I just thought I got bored of the concept. I don't think it was their problem. It's just like I kind of got bored of the concept. Well, I think once you finish the first season, to for me, you got the idea, you know. And I think you could have ended it after the first season and you would have been fine now that you know that the artificial intelligence is now has escaped. And that's it, you know, that now the world, you don't know who's real and just leave it like that. Kind of like a Blade Runner type ending, but yeah, only a little bit less, a little bit more on the nose. This is literally an AI, so. Yeah. Well, my last bit of news is actually sort of positive. So Ofcom, which is the regulatory body for communications in the UK, has released a study about in-game purchases in the UK. Very interesting. Okay, okay, I'm listening. So some of it's going to shock you, I think. So it turns out that these loot boxes that everybody's freaking out about, which they should freak out about them, however... It's not as big of a cause for concern as we thought because only 6% of UK children and 4% of UK adults actually purchase randomized items in games. Hmm. However, 31% of adults will buy something in a free game and 25% will buy something in a premium title. And 47% of children will use microtransactions in a free game. And 33% in a premium game. So... That's not a deterrent. Basically, 50% of every kid that you put a game in front of, they're going to buy something that wasn't part of the initial agreement. Right. You know, that 
that's pretty scary. I mean, it's way, 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 way higher than adults on percentage for just flat out buying something. Forget a gambling mechanic or not. Yeah. But this appeals to kids big time. Microtransactions appeals to kids and it appeals to kids whether the game is free or not free. The difference between free and not free is like 9%, 10%. Yeah, like it's not a huge amount of difference. They really don't understand that you've already paid 60 pounds for the game. Right. But the percentage of kids who buy microtransactions in a premium game is higher than the percentage of adults who buy microtransactions full stop. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, and and even though loot boxes is small, 6% of kids and 4% of adults, it still appeals to children more. So, I think, while it's good that loot boxes aren't quote-unquote as big of a problem as we thought, they're still the whole problem of microtransactions because it is products that appeal to kids way more than adults right and there's evidence there to now to support that i mean not that they didn't already have that but there's hard evidence that's numbers that you can't argue with and they're an independent regulatory body so you like they have no stake in the game one way or another yeah that means something to you and i i wonder how much that means to the you know the lay person that's trying to figure this out you know and that they should take this with much more this should hold more weight you know I mean, essentially, if you want to catastrophize it, it's a coin flip. You know, 50% of the time, your kid's going to buy extra crap you didn't plan on them buying. So just expect it. Right. Yeah. Well, is that, I think that is positive. We, at least it's positive because we it know. It is positive about the loot boxes. It's positive about the loot boxes. It's it's less than less than we ever could have thought possible. I thought for sure at least 10 or 20% of people were buying loot boxes. Especially because there are some games where that's really the only thing you can buy. Right. Like the original Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Or Battlefront. Yeah, which is was free. It's one of the games, PlayStation Plus games. So I did get it. Yeah. But I already own it. I don't want to talk about it. I know. you. That was a bad... That was a mistake. Yeah. One of these days, you're just going to join the Game Pass revolution with the rest of us. and If I can ever get on my Xbox, you're right. <laughs> you could just do Gamefly. I've been telling you to rent your games for years. I know. And I and I, I probably will. But the only I think the only game I've bought this year, the only big AAA title I've bought is The Last of Us 2. So... Everything else has been an indie title, and I have not regretted. I think I bought Kentucky Route Zero. I mean, nothing else has been released. We've been in lockdown since, like, March. I know, and everything's been pushed back. You know, our game awards this year will be indie games and, like, two AAA titles. You know, (laughs) And games that were released last year. You're not wrong. But, yeah. Nice. Well, that brings us to our main topic today, which is a change of gears. We are... Not talking about anything necessarily uh, world-changing, but we're not we're not trying nothing controversial, uh, but definitely something I think uh, that is of interest. Lots of articles have been published about tropes in boss fights, and you know, and I think that we've tried to compile a list out of our experience that's a little different than what everybody else has already put out there. So I've got a few. I think you have uh, quite a few. But uh, what we'll do is try to list these and then give our examples of how we've kind of experienced these in games. And, and it doesn't mean that because they're on this list that they're bad. 
it just means that they are a trope and and you see it in in uh in a lot of games so yeah so, i don't uh, think you can yeah. i don't think you can really get away from tropes like there's only so many different ways you can fight a boss really and only well and i think you know it's a trope only because you've played a lot of games and like or read an article about it i mean you can figure out and we've discussed this on the show before too we get a, we understand a lot of mechanics that seem to transfer to other games because we played a lot of games and so i know how to fight a particular boss once i start seeing the tropes i start seeing okay he's going to have this particular trope or this particular trope is part of the mechanic because i've seen it somewhere else and and although they try to mix things up and 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 maybe combine them to make keep things interesting i don't i don't necessarily think that those things are inherently bad it's just if you've never played a game, this is all new to you. If you've played a lot of games, then maybe you'll recognize some I think that's stuff. fair. I think that's fair. Although, I have to caveat by saying, if I encounter any boss that requires any sort of tactics when I'm on easy, I'm, like, instantly irritated. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not here for a challenge, yeah? I just want to play a relaxing game and be relaxed, yeah? just want to bang on my drum all day. Play on my drum all day. No, uh, this is, yeah, this is more, I, I've sort of pulled from my experience when I was playing games at a challenging level, generally speaking, but I, I would say these days, I, I tend to be uneasy. With the exception of Halo, I just started that out on normal, we, we are not easy, I've, I'm good at Halo, because I have decades <laughs> of experience. <laughs> well, I, I always feel reassured when the game tells me I can go ahead and turn it back to easy if I want to. You know, I start on normal uh, or whatever the default is just because I think it's out of habit. But also a lot of times th some things are locked behind a wall if you don't play on the normal difficulty. And so you may uh, either not see these things or you may not get certain items. And so so you who wants to go first? You want to go first? I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go first. How many do you have? I've got three, but I've got lots of uh, examples Okay, I've got five, but I've only got one example, so we'll just tag team this. Okay. So uh, I'll go first. So the first one, and I think, in my opinion, sort of the most classic one, is when the floor goes lava or fire patches appear. I think if you think, if someone says, hey, tell me a, a video game boss battle trope, floor goes lava. Like, literally everybody... <laughs> I don't think I'm winning any awards for originality there. However, I do have the benefit of being the one who came up with this topic, so that means that I get all the easy, low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I typed it first. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, that's why I had to... I read yours, and then I went and looked for my yeah. own. So, I think my best example of the, the floor goes lava or fire patches... I mean, there are so many games that have this, but I'm just going to pull one out. The Death's Head boss battle in Wolfenstein New Order. Oh, okay. It's it's like a solid fire patch sort of floor is lava situation. There are tons of WoW raids that also have this as well. Right, that was what um, I was going to list, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think off the top of my head the name of the boss. Um, well, there's one, Noth, uh, Noth the Plaguebringer. Oh, okay, the Plaguebringer, uh, right. No, 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 no. He does one, but I think it's it's Hel it's uh, Hygen the Unclean. That's who it is. Uh, he's the one that sits on a platform, and you have to do the dance. So everybody has to be 
in one section, and then once the the plague pops up on the other two sections, yeah, I you remember move. that battle, yeah. And you have to move, and that was one of those in Naxxramas, especially originally, where if you were lagging at all, because that's when lag was a huge issue for something like that, that you might be behind, and even though you think you're not in the plague, you you really are, and so. Uh, and and if you die there, it's not a hard fight. In fact, I've seen the I've seen the healer and the tank take down uh, Noth. I mean, uh, Hygen. So I've seen two characters take him down. It just takes like thirty minutes, you know, because he doesn't hit very hard. The problem is the mechanics and the floor is lava thing. So you got to do the dance. And if you die, then you just have to sit do there. Do a little dance, get around the lava. Your your better teammates actually kill the boss. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just such a classic trope. To be fair, that's why I figured we started out with Absolutely. something easy. Everyone's like, "Oh, I know what yeah. this topic is about." Exactly. That's the softball toss, right? So, uh, go, you can take that softball toss. I see you. Floor is lava. You raise me. I raise you, um, a multi-stage boss. So a boss that that is, you think you're done with him and then but you're really not. And then you think you're done with him and then you're still really not. And a couple of examples that I had of this where you're maybe not necessarily expecting a, a second, third or fourth form is uh you know in Final Fan or, uh, not well Final Fantasy as well. But in Kingdom Hearts the last boss has I believe it has two or three forms and it's the it's the demon from Fantasia that sits behind the castle. If you've ever seen dun, the movie Fantasia. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Right. Well, that is, and you've got to fly up and he's got multiple forms. So it's a long boss battle. It's a, it's a 20, 30 minute oh boss battle. Oh my God. Horrendous. Yeah. Which is, you know, for, you got to think that game came out in 2006. It's not long after Final Fantasy seven. Well, I guess 10 years after Final Fantasy seven, but the idea that you had these bosses made by the same company, you know, Square Enix. Final Fantasy had a couple bosses like Sephiroth that were the same, you know, where you would you started out fighting Sephiroth and then you end up fighting Sephiroth's final form. It's like Dragon Ball Z. You know, you got you know, two seasons of the show just to fight one boss and to get through all four or five different forms of Boo or Cell or whatever if you anybody that knows those. Oh, I love Dragon you know, Ball Z, man. It. it was so yeah. good. Oh yeah, well, and and I I did too, and and I watched uh, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. So they were just saving on animation costs, man. Man, well, and five minutes at the beginning and end was always a recap, and whatever was going to happen next time. You know, it's like, and so there's really only like 15 minutes of show with five minutes of. Re- <laughs> That's just classic 90s cartoons, man. They were just there to sell you toys. They weren't even trying to do a proper cartoon. If they tried to do that these days, you'd be like, what? I mean, if Game of Thrones, the first, like, 15 minutes was a recap, and the last 15 minutes was next time on Game of Thrones, like, everyone would have been like, nah. No, yeah, it wouldn't have worked at all. But uh, they got away with it, and, and and I watched every episode. So it did get to the point where I was like, for real, you know, sell has been almost killed and now he's got a new form and now how are the how are the how are the characters going to get more powerful than they were before so they can take on something they could barely even fight i don't know but anyway so multi-stage bosses 
Definitely a trope. Not something that I think you can get away with as much anymore. Not like they were before where those boss battles were 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, I don't think people have the attention span for that anymore, really. No. All right. Well, my next one. So what's your next one? It is when you have to attack specific, like, body parts or pustules or, like, specific zones. I'm thinking, like, especially stuff that, like, you have to, like, knock off of the boss or, like cut off like Deathwing's tentacles in World of Warcraft you know like that's part of the tactic you right. have to kill the tentacles and if you don't do it you can't win never did it either I've never killed Deathwing really I've tried to solo it yeah I think I tried to solo it with my shaman and that's that's why you have to have like the AOEs to get rid of all that and then and I play with a a an enhancement shaman so I'm melee and uh, it's I've got to run both sides and kill everything with a strike. And so it's just a little bit harder for me to do. I mean, I've never soloed it, but I, I did it as a proper raid. Because that's when I was playing, that was the peak raid. That was the highest raid right, that you right. could do. And so we were doing that. We were grinding that raid for gear like every week, every every other day in order to try to get gear. Well, Resident Evil has multiple bosses like that as well, where you'll see the eye or whatever grotesque thing growing out of the back of the thing, and they'll expose it, and then you have to shoot that, and that's like the weak point. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, Zelda was big on this, where you had to, I think, you normally, Zelda and, and Metroid both were big on that, where the boss would, somewhere on the level, you would get a weapon that was specifically used for that boss. It's not like Mega Man. Mega Man, you could beat any boss with any weapon. It's just some weapons were much easier to do it with. Some of these, like the hook shot in Zelda, was necessary for that crab. I think is like it's like Gamora or something like that. That's got it's got one eye, and you got to shoot it in the eye with the hook shot or something. You know, that's one version of that. But yeah, that's a that's definitely a trope that's about as old as as uh, the NES anyway, where you'd have. Uh, you know, the weak spot would be exposed. And, uh, yeah, that's a good one. That's that's one I don't think we're going to ever – that's ever going away either. So. No, because I think that adds an extra layer of skill to it because you're not just blindly flailing. You have to, like, do something specific. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, uh, and that, I think, can be one of the ways you can keep things interesting as long as you don't do what I'm about to say in my second one which is just general poor design, poor boss design, where your mechanics for the boss are completely different than they are for the entire game. Yeah. So boss fights where, you know, and, and my example I have for this is, and I've spoken about it on the show before, I think a long time ago, Deus Ex uh, Machina. There's a boss where they changed the, all the stealth mechanics, and they've, they've adjusted it slightly, since with a patch or i think in the um in the in the updated version oh it's what, what the remake they've uh, they've updated it a little bit but it was this is one of those boss fights uh that was notorious because it was it was shipped out and produced by a different company than the one actually designing the game and so when they brought it all back together they had this boss fight that just did not sync at all with the game you couldn't you would have such a difficult time trying to beat this boss if you built your character in a very particular way. Specifically, if you were more of a stealth player, 
that tried to sneak around and had, you know, a silencer and, and, and tried to minimize casualties, <laughs> you would not have the firepower. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Boss. I don't think that you could actually sleep him. I think you had to kill him no matter what. You did. You did have to kill him. There, there was no way around yeah, it. Yeah, I remember that boss. I remember us talking about this because I had also made a stealth character. And I remember telling you, I spent 30 minutes in a cycle with that boss in a, like, in a peekaboo situation with two greats where I was trying to trank him and it wasn't possible. Right. At all. It wasn't possible. I'd wait for his threat to go and it'd go and I'd try to trank him and it just, like, the trank didn't do anything to him. Like, so you had to kill him. I had to switch to lethal weapons. I remember this boss. I remember us talking about this. I'm surprised I didn't think of that. Yeah. I think it's Lawrence Barrett. It's Barrett is the boss and he's, uh, he's just, he's just a tank and he's got multiple guns and he shoots grenades and in the in the uh, boss area, there are there are canisters, gas canisters, and stuff. I think that you can destroy that will help you. But it's still not you, you're still not playing uh, the the mechanics the way you would. So obviously, a small I don't even know if it's a small nitpick on this particular game uh, because it is such a departure from how you were playing the game originally, or at least the way that I had built my character. And it made it to where it was almost impossible to finish the game because I, I would have had to go back and change the way I built my character and uh, upgraded him so that I could even beat this particular boss. So frustrating, but definitely something. Uh, it's the only one I could think of where I had experienced it, but I'm sure there have been some poor boss mechanics in World of Warcraft, you know, where, uh, you know, maybe they just. They're just damaged sponges uh, or something that's just not heavily thought out. But that's probably also because because I fight most of those bosses on the easier mode. And so they're, they, they don't have all of their mechanics. Well, you know what's funny about that? Actually, I would throw um, the City of Heroes Cathedral of Pain Trials into that group only because their analytics team must not have done research on how much like dps and tactics that you know um guilds or supergroups in this case were capable of doing because it, aside from the fact that you weren't supposed to be able to get more than one item of power at the end of the trial which i think we ended up with six or seven at the end i don't know check my youtube channel i don't remember it it was years ago <laughs> um but it also was supposed to be like an hour or so long and we smashed that thing out in maybe 25 minutes and i think if they had looked at their data properly they would have balanced the, the bosses correctly to actually make like a proper challenge but it turns out that they weren't accounting they they didn't account for several things one having a super active group yeah with like i think we had 15 or 20 people in there like ready to go so we had i think the max amount that he would even allow in the encounter which maybe they didn't expect people to do but we were all spec'd out and we had practiced for it previously so thanks yeah I mean, we broke it and it never came back and I'm very proud of that. Like, it's it's one of the few times that I can say that we're, like, I'm certain I did something that 
the developers fucking noticed which that is such a point of pride for me maybe it's stupid but even the city of heroes wiki to this day links to us beating that as one of the only i think two or three references available for that ever even existing really so yeah and it's kind of cool to be part of like gaming history in like a real way but to your point I think when whenever there is, is, and MMOs are famous for this, whenever there is a boss that's released that's either super he- easy or super hard, it means they didn't actually check the data on how the players are playing. Right. No, that's true. And, and maybe, again, I, I'm only speculating. I don't know for sure. But it maybe because of the time, they was that really common practice back then? Uh, to... to uh, because I know EverQuest was kind of one of the big first MMOs uh, that was really popular, po- more popular than Ultima or any of those. But then City of Heroes was pretty popular uh, after that. Was that a common practice, really, to, to look at the metrics and look at the data and how... Because I know they've gotten... Almost, I, would, I would think so, though. Yeah, like, yeah. we're talking we're talking 2000 five six do you know what i mean like they would have known what they were doing by now at this point facebook is popular you know like it what is the internet i know it's crazy when you think about it like i i was telling someone the only the other day i was like it's crazy when you think about that i have like one of the first maybe hundred thousand facebook accounts ever to be opened you know, like, because I was quite an early adopter. I was actually in university when they opened it up to other universities, not even the general public. So I registered originally with my university email address. And that that was the only way that you were allowed to end. So in terms of users, I'm like basically like a grandpa. Well, if it makes you feel any better or worse. I couldn't even use Facebook at first because I wasn't in college anymore at the time, so I couldn't get on Facebook. Yeah. Like that was for the whippersnappers. Uh, hey, you know, like, that. I think that's what I'm saying, like, just generally, though, is that Facebook was a thing and big data started to become a thing. They definitely could have analyzed, you know, and seen what, even if, you know, GMs used to pop into your raids and stuff now and then i remember that happening you know where you would just sort of look up and there'd be like just a nameplate just sort of hovering and you're like yeah they're watching us play they're learning what we're doing they're watching us make this happen um anyway i i digress i should go on to mine now but i really feel quite i feel quite strongly that developers should look at the data because you know there's a fine line between it being too easy and it being impossible and in between there is player enjoyment and you need to hit that that sweet spot and data can help you do that very nice yeah that's true that is true. I've got one more. Do you want to go ahead? Do you have two left, right? Yeah, I've, I've got loads more. Sorry, I'm sorry. I've got loads more. So <laughs> my next one is um, when there are cycles of AoEs you have to avoid. I mean, this is a basic. This is super basic. We're going back to the floor as lava, basically. But essentially, when they've got close-range AoEs, far-range AoEs, like wave AoEs, like directional AoE, you know, like, that's like the classic sort of jumpy maneuver thing, and it, you know, it comes out from the boss. Um, 
Destiny had this in the final boss encounter. It would, you know, usually the floor would light up a certain color or you would get to know the patterns of when they're going to do the AoEs. Um, pretty much every Elder Scrolls Online boss does this in some form or another whether it's it's a cone or uh whether it's like a circle on the floor or whatever i'm just saying when it's some sort of like timed mechanic where you're like okay they've done cones and so the next one's gonna be like a spiral and i have to jump and then the next one's gonna be tornadoes and i have to run you know like right that sort of thing i'm 100 percent in favor for this trope as well I, I think the alternative of having, and I've seen this as well, and I think this goes into the poor design choices where you have bosses that are random in their attacks in terms of the, there is no consistency, and which would be fine if your ability to either evade attacks or to block attacks was sufficient, you know, but when you can't anticipate necessarily what the boss is going to do. And their attacks are so brutal that uh, Dark Souls level brutal, you know, where you're going to get hit once and three-fourths of your health bar is gone. So you can only get hit twice ever. And if you're not full health, there's a chance you can only get hit once. Then I just, it, to me, that's frustrating and not fun. You know, there's there's nothing for me to figure out about this mechanic, you know. I'm, I'm, there are a couple bosses that come to mind about uh, that kind of, that, that kind of setup. But there's a there's an enemy specific in the uh, the Force uh, Jedi Fallen Order that you get to when you're on the Sith planet. Uh, it's Corban. Cor- is it Corban? No, it's it's uh, no, it's the one with the death the the Night Sisters. Oh, it'll come to me in a second. Anyway, you're on the Sith planet or this this dark energy Sith Sith sensitive planet uh, that has Dathomir. That's what it is, Dathomir. 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 That's it. So you're on Dathomir, and there's a, there's a, right when you get off your ship, there's this hulking looking giant gorilla looking monster that, that as you leave the, the platform from your ship and you get onto like the, the, the red plateau area of, of, uh, you know, the, the main, um, searchable part of Dathomir. There's this big hulking creature that's walking away from you. You can piss it off immediately and it'll turn around and attack you. From there, you have to kind of figure out its its uh, its pattern. If you don't get to see an, enough of its attacks, you won't see what the pattern is, right? So if you don't evade enough, you won't see like the sequence. So if you die within the first two or three attacks, you may think all of it's random. But if you actually get to get past that part of it and you evade enough, you can see, oh, okay, so he'll do this. And when he jumps, he'll do this. Uh, when he does this, uh, if you're too close, he'll do this attack instead. So it's not necessarily random. There is a rhyme or reason. And to that, I think is, but to your, to your point on the cones and stuff like that, that's, I, I think the only uh, example or the, the most, most of the examples that I have to draw from for that particular trope are almost exclusively from world of warcraft you know where you you'll have a tail swipe or in a in a fire cone and then uh you know naxxramas was big on the floor uh being lava or having having cones i'm not cones but uh circles where that you could stand in and almost be an insta death 
What about that, um, isn't it, okay, so I don't remember the location, but I remember the raid. So it's like a sandy sort of Egyptian looking place and they spawn tornadoes. Yeah. Was it in the sky? No, they spawn them like on the ground and they're like, they're like near, they're like on a pyramid, sort of an aztec looking pyramid thing and you're on the ground and then they're like spawning tornadoes. Maybe I've just made this up. I don't know. <laughs> there are enemies like that. There's, there's. Uh, I think is Al Alkir is one of them in the uh, in a sky temple, and I can't remember the exact dungeon. Maybe it's sky temple. I just remember that I did the dungeon a lot because you drop like a cool outfit. They drop like this sort of like <laughs> for 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 elves. It drops like a cool jasmine outfit, which I sort of transmogged all my outfits to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it, that is the sky temple that which is in. Old Doom, which is a sandy beach. Ramaket is like one of the cities there. Uh, and uh, This all sounds right. Yeah, it's, it's Old Doom. And we've come back to Old Doom now in the most recent uh, set of patches where uh, that's where one of the staging grounds for the invasion of, you know, the Void Forces and, and uh, Nazoth and... I'm, I feel like I'm doing word soup right now to anybody that's not. Yeah, yeah, you really are. That's the best word for it. You're such a teacher. You can just <laughs> talk to yourself. I, and I do often <laughs> when no one's listening. Uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. So, mm, wait, so let me let me do another one of mine because you only got I one. Do. So I'll do one more because it's sort of on this um, this vein. So I feel like this is a very old trope and maybe something that isn't used so often. But that's where the boss has a very high region during the whole fight. So you're constantly fighting the boss's own health bar. You're trying to do enough rapid damage to actually kill it. It's constantly regening health. A good example is like the werewolves and the witcher. But this is like a pretty normal, um, a pretty normal boss trope. In fact, when I played uh, Knights of the night to pen and paper just a few weeks back there was a specific type of creature that you would fight and you would get it down to like 20 percent health and they would just start healing each other right it's super annoying super annoying um yeah, yeah. so like boss regening to full health and i feel like that's sort of like a classic classic mmo thing and it more has to do with like if you start to lose dps if you have, like, more than one DPS person die for any significant period of time, the bosses are going to regen back to full health. And then you got to start all over again, or you're going to wipe, you know, like one or the other. Yeah, that reminds me of, you know, kind of a trope where you have to, you have to down multiple enemies at the same time. So you have to bring their health down at the same rate so that you can kill them all within a period of time. Otherwise they they come back to life that's kind of a similar trope yeah um, regening to full health sucks. it does and and uh, a lot of times you'll see that even with like trash mobs in mmos or in other games where you'll have one character and i think you even had this in um i know you did actually in star wars uh, knights of the old republic where uh, you would have one character, if you weren't paying attention to like all of the enemies in a room, that was there just as the healer. 
So if you didn't kill that particular character, you would you might struggle against the other enemies because they continue to get healed, and you're like, how is it? I mean, I know I'm hitting this person, and I'm, and they they they're not dead yet, and so kind of which has its own strategy, you know, take out the casters and the healers first, and then take out the you know the the melee DPS or or whatever after that. But. Yeah, because usually the melee DP, the melee can't do as much damage as well, so they're usually the last one to go. Right. You just kill the healer first, then you kill all the high DPS, then you kill the tanks. Right. Like yeah, which is that's standard fare, right? For for an yeah, MMO standard. Stan- that's that is an standard. MMO trope for sure. Um, that's like an MMO tactics trope. Actually, I would say, I think a fun episode would be like, let's say we were approaching a botch out of nothing. Like, how would we approach it? How would we develop tactics? Right. I think it would be a fun episode. That would be interesting. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think I would, <laughs> I would definitely be able to uh, supply really bad ideas. So I'm looking forward to, <laughs> to that one. Um, so my last so one. So what's your last one? Yeah, my yeah. last one uh, is... Akin really to the uh, to the multi stage boss, I guess in a way, but it, I think it's different enough. It could be its own trope. Ex- exceptionally difficult optional bosses. Um, so there are a number of games, and they don't do it as much, I don't think anymore. But I did, I did find them in God of War, so it, they are still put into these games. I know there are some in. Uh, Dark Souls as well. Bosses that you don't have to fight to finish the game, but they can be your own challenge, I guess. So the first time I saw this, uh, the first time I encountered this in a game was in Final Fantasy VII, I believe, with uh, Emerald and Ruby Weapon. Mm -hmm. So you have these two characters, these two bosses that you had to seek out to fight. You weren't going to necessarily just run into them. Uh, You did not have to cross their paths to finish the game. In fact, they are... They're so optional that you might even have to research them to know they existed uh, in the game. But they're both giant dinosaur-like bosses. Uh, I think they're the biggest bosses in the game, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of just scale and size. And extremely difficult. So I'm definitely on board for this as a mechanic and a trope in games and because I don't have to do it. And I'm, I'm for any content that's challenging that's not mandatory like like this kind of challenging i'm talking about this taxes the most skilled players in this in this uh in this game so uh if you don't want to do it or you don't have time and that's one of the things that that i'd have to mention especially with uh, ruby and emerald weapon is those boss fights are 30 minutes plus easy uh i think that i've i've seen people fighting them for 45 minutes and beyond so they're 45 minutes of your time is sitting there managing resources. And that was one of the old school um, RPG tropes, too, of people in your party are going to die. When do you use, like, Phoenix Downs or health potions to bring them back? Or when do you choose to actually attack? Was its own kind of strategy. And knowing, well, I can attack one more time, uh, but I have to heal next time. Or... If I heal this time and he hits that particular character, they're dead, you know, and, you know, and now I'm down for two. It's like in on one, heal again, and then I can attack on the third uh, turn. And so that's, it's a completely, that's a, a viable strategy, something you had to think about back then, and why boss fights like this took so long. 
you know, because... Sounds like our tactics episode is taking shape. That's right. <laughs> and so I saw it, and that was the first time I saw it. But uh, in the, one of the more recent games that I played and, and loved, God of War on PlayStation 4, uh, they have these boss fights. Uh, they're Valkyries. So there are Valkyries that are spread out throughout uh, the different realms. And you you usually knew when you were uh, when you entered a room that had a Valkyrie in it, not just because you saw it. Uh, there were you. There's usually a save point right in front of them, <laughs> which is a trope. Uh, if you find a save point in Resident Evil, you're about to fight a boss. If you you know, or you're about to come up on something big. Same thing here. Uh, there's a save point. There's usually a treasure chest there to to open. And then in the next room, you'll have a big open space and a Valkyrie sitting over in the corner waiting for you to aggro and pull. Well, I, I tried to fight probably two or three of them, and they're definitely difficult. Uh, they're much more difficult than any other boss fight in the game, uh, regardless of the, the – they just – they're relentless. They fly, so that's something that uh, really the, no other boss in the game does. Um, and, uh, and they can just zip around the, the, you have to be on all your, your P's and Q's when you're fighting the, the Valkyries. And so I was, I was glad that they weren't necessarily a mandatory boss fight in the game because they were a challenge. And, and for me, I really just wanted to continue with the experience. I wasn't as interested in a completion run on that game, which you would have to kill all the Valkyries to get a completion run. Uh, but I thought it was cool that I had this boss fight if I wanted to go in and challenge myself, which I typically did. I'd go in and fight them a few times and get my ass handed to me. And then I'd, I'd say, All right, well, I've had enough of that. Let's go back to the story and, uh, and you know, and f- complete the game. So, Or finish it anyway, not necessarily complete it. But, yeah, so exceptionally difficult boss battles that are optional is, a, is a, another trope. That's quite a creative one, but, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Well, my last one is, I don't know, it's, I guess it's sort of like a pet peeve of mine and a trope, but I find it sort of jarring generally when the boss moves the entire battle's location in the middle of the fight, like just teleports you somewhere else, smashes through a ceiling and suddenly you're somewhere... I mean, I sort of hate this. (laughs) It sort of throws off the whole rhythm of everything that I was doing, like, you know, whatever. Um, Diablo and Diablo 3, the final battle, is probably the best example, the Shadow Realm. It's like a completely different type of combat from what you were doing before. You know, you're in a different place, like all the colors are inverted and everything. Like, it's the best example I could think of, but this happens, like, all the time, you know, where... It's not quite stages of the boss. It's like stages of the environment. And so you might be in like a bright place and then round two you're in like a fiery hellscape and then like round three you're in like, I don't know, a basement or something. You know, I, I don't really feel like this trope is necessary. In fact, out of all of these, I think this is the trope that probably isn't worth it because... If you want to be good at a game, the less distractions that you can have, the better. So I feel like it's unnecessarily distracting for the player. 
you know, to have to, like, reorient yourself, figure out where your character is, like, spatially, because, you know, all the controls reset them. Do you know what I mean? Like, wherever your finger is on the thumbstick of a controller, wherever your, like, mouse is in relation to the character on the screen, like, that changes when you change areas. So even that, like, split second, you know, even Deathwing, when it would roll and stuff like that, you know, like, it would change where your mouse is. Suddenly you don't know where you're pointing anymore, you know? I just think it's a bit unnecessarily jarring for the player. And, like, what is it adding to the story? Generally nothing. Like, it's just like, hey, let's automate, like, another room for them to fight in. Okay, cheers, thanks. Like, but that transition period sort of means that you lose all your spatial awareness. So whatever you were doing before, for a brief second, you're not going to be as effective. Maybe more than a brief second, maybe, like, you know, 30 seconds, you know, until you figure out where the hell you're pointing and, like, what direction you're shooting at or whatever. So. And maybe that's the mechanic, or maybe that's the point, is to is to disorient you. You know, and and to make it to where you're, uh, you know, you you're. <laughs> Maybe I'm just old, but it works. <laughs> yeah, no, right, exactly, and and it takes you a second, and and I think if that's the goal, I I, t- I totally see you know it being used uh, for that particular reason, but I imagine that there's a way to do it better. You know, there's a way to make, uh, you know, a a. Uh, Something like that, because even use the example of the of the Deathwing death roll, I guess you'll say, because it is a death roll. If you don't, if you're not in the right place when he rolls, you're gone. You fly off, and and it's an instant death, which is what always happens to me. Is I always die on that, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong necessarily. And I know the mechanics. I know I just am standing in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I end up flying off. But yeah. Anyway, I I uh, I, t- I totally see. I see that one. I, I definitely see that one. I I haven't encountered it. I don't think as much, or I don't think it has the same impact on me as you, as in terms of like a pet peeve. But uh, you know, I the the only examples I can think of outside of that one that I use with Deathwing were because um, I don't even I don't guess I really noticed it in in uh, Diablo. I feel like Dante's Inferno had that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't play Dante's Inferno. I don't know. And doesn't doesn't God of War or maybe Shadow of the Colossus or something? I feel like you know what I mean, where the whole like yeah. the battle environment is changing. You know, like right, yeah. Um, Shadow of the Colossus, in fact, famously, the whole battle environment is changing, and if you're in the wrong place, like you just oh, fall yeah. off. Yeah. Well, and and I I played Shadow of the Colossus a, uh, a little bit, and uh, I've got the the um, remake. So it's, I mean, it's a beautiful game. I started playing it and, and uh, climbed up my first boss and, or tried to anyway. But much like The Last Guardian, there's still not quite enough. There's too much freedom and not quite enough uh, direction, I guess, in, in uh, what exactly I needed to do for me to say, oh, I have the time to try to figure this out and uh, this particular boss and I'm going to keep doing it. It's a great game and beautiful game. It's just uh, I'm not in a position, you know, to I was I didn't have time. Didn't have time to, to figure it out. So. No, ain't, ain't nobody got time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> well, all right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. 
If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at RetroRebel at TempleOfGeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Till the next time. See you later.